This week, we have a special episode dedicated to Israel's Independence Day. Well, why would a Christian here in the West have any inclination to think about this national holiday in Israel thousands of miles away? I mean, really, it's fine for them, but why should I care? The truth is, the fact that Israel exists in the land God gave them, and they're thriving there and blessing the entire world, it speaks directly to us and gives testimony to our promise-keeping God. So we've asked our friend Elliot Jagger to join us. Elliot is a Jerusalem-based journalist and senior editor at the Jerusalem Report. Always a joy to have him on the program. Today, Elliot Jagger, Apples of Gold, and more. You're listening to the Friends of Israel Today, where we teach biblical truth for changing times. I'm Steve Conover. Let's join our host and teacher, Chris Katolka. Hello, folks. Welcome to the program. I'm Chris Katolka, your host. And uh, today we're going to spend some time discussing Israeli independence because uh, next weekend uh, is Israeli Independence uh, Day. And uh, the Jewish people in Israel, all Israeli citizens, will be celebrating their independence. And um, so today I wanted to have Elliot Jagger on the program. Uh, Elliot is a a Jerusalem-based journalist and the author of The Pater, My Father, My Judaism, My Childlessness. Currently, he's the senior editor at the Jerusalem Report, and he is a former editorial page editor at the Jerusalem Post. Elliot, great to have you on the program, sir. It's great to be with you. Elliot, uh, pretty soon, you and the rest of the Israelis, because uh, you're in Israel right now, um, will be I'm celebrating in, your— Jerusalem. That's right. You'll be celebrating your independence. Can you tell us a little bit, what, what is that like? I know Americans know what celebrating their independence is like. We celebrate that on July 4th. What is it like for an Israeli to celebrate independence? Well, it's a little different than July 4th in the sense that— um, The day before Israel Independence Day, which this year is going to be uh, uh, Wednesday, uh, May 11th, uh, turning into the 12th. The 12th is the actual Independence Day. So the day before is Israel Memorial Day. So what you have is an unusual situation of a rather solemn day in which Israel commemorates the thousands of its fallen soldiers and the victims of Arab terror on a Wednesday this year. And then Wednesday night, just as soon as it gets dark, we somehow switch uh, gears, and it becomes Israel Independence Day with fireworks and speeches and dancing. And it is that uh, rather strange uh, juxtaposition. Uh, One day... Memorial Day, leading right into Independence Day, that makes uh, the Israel uh, commemoration uh, different than the uh, than the uh, commemoration of July Fourth, and uh, I think it's partly because uh, Israel Independence Day is still uh, appreciated with awe. I think Americans sometimes forget what, a, and they shouldn't forget what a miracle the United States of America is. Uh, but in Israel, um, we're fighting essentially for survival every day. And so the Memorial Day, uh, Independence Day connection is, is an important part, although I have to say that 
it's it's jolting. It's still jolting to, to, to make that switch. I'm looking at the Declaration of Independence right now that was um, that was uttered, that was spoken on May 14th, 1948 by Israel's first prime minister, David Ben-Gurion. And I'm looking over it, and there are many sections to the Israeli independence. And the first one is really, the, the first section really gives the historical proof that the Jewish state deserves to be in their ancestral homeland, almost going back to biblical times. Um, can you talk a little bit about this section that is describing the history that led the Jewish people to that very moment? Well, I think you have to understand the context. The context was that the, uh, the state of Israel was uh, declared by Ben-Gurion in Tel Aviv, and he knew um, in 1948, and he knew that when he finished that speech, uh, all the surrounding Arab countries would invade Israel, and that the Arabs of Israel would rise up and try to uh, destroy the Jewish state, uh, stillborn, uh, kill it in its uh, in its infancy. Uh, so I think, um, uh, despite that, uh, uh, Ben Gurion, who was the head of the, uh, uh, the, the the Jewish agency at the time, the quasi government, uh, he he essentially what he does is he refers to uh, the beginnings of contemporary modern Zionism. I mean, he says that he, he begins by saying that the land of Israel was the birthplace of the Jewish people, and he says that here and, and, and he says here their spiritual, religious, national identity was formed. Here they achieved independence and created a culture of national, universal significance. Here they wrote and gave the Bible to the world, and so I think he begins by tying the Jewish connection uh, to the land of Israel to time immemorial. Uh, that the Jews are not newcomers uh, to the land of Israel. But then he goes on to uh, develop the contemporary, modern, legal, and international justification for the existence of Israel, starting with the, the, the Balfour Declaration in 1917, and then moving on to the League of Nations, and then moving on to the United Nations, uh, and the General Assembly of the United Nations, which decreed that there should be a state of Israel alongside a Palestinian Arab state. Of course, the Arabs rejected that. So, so I think that first section of the Declaration sets the stage for who are uh, the justification for the recreation of the rebirth of the state of Israel. And Elliot, the thing that struck me when I was reading through that history uh, was the uh, idea that, you know, the Jewish people didn't just come in and decide we're going to take this for ourselves, you know, everyone else get out. You know, for decades leading up to this, um, the Jewish people have been working with not just the British, but even before that, uh, Theodore Herzl, one of the founders of uh, modern Zionism, uh, really worked with the tried to work with the Ottoman Empire to see if he could somehow form a Jewish state uh, in its ancestral homeland, which is now Israel. But it's amazing to me to see how hard they worked to make this the most legal process that the world would recognize a Jewish state. Not just we're going to do this on our own, but that the world will be with us in this process. Oh, that, that's, you, you just really hit it on the nail, because from, from the get-go, uh, people say uh, Theodor Herzl was the founder of modern political Zionism, and he was. And by that we mean that, that he was the continuation of the historic Zionism of the Jewish people, which the Jewish people never gave up on. But, but Herzl, from the very, very beginning, wanted uh, to create a state on the basis of international legality and with the support of the international community. And that was his the foremost goal. 
And if you, you, you know, Herzl died at age 44, and the standard bearer of the Zionist movement essentially became, among other people, Chaim Weizmann. And, and he um, met with, uh, with uh, Arab leaders um, in the course of the, of the, of the First World War. Uh, remember, all of the land of Israel and all of the Middle East was controlled by the Turkish Ottoman Empire. And, and Weizmann met with the Arab leaders of Arabia. Um, there were no Arab states, but he met with the Arab leaders, uh, the, Amir, uh, the Emir of Arabia. And, and, and between the two of them, they agreed uh, for mutual support. Uh, Weizmann said the Zionists would support Arab independence. And the Emir said, and we will support your independence. And that was the original uh, way things should have, could have uh, played out. Uh, but for the fact that over the years, uh, any Arab leader who is willing to compromise, to make peace, um, to work with the Zionist movement, uh, essentially has been overthrown or assassinated or shunted off, to, at the, in, in the best measure, in the best case, shunted off over to the side and is no longer relevant. Uh, so, yes, it's tragic in a sense that, uh, that the, the great hopes that Herzl, I mean, in his... In his vision, Herzl in, in, saw that, that there would be a state of Israel. He said it would be scientifically advanced. He said that Israel would be a light unto nations, that if there was ever an earthquake somewhere, this is Herzl writing in, 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 in uh, the early 1900s, if, if there's ever an earthquake somewhere, I want the Jewish state to be able to send relief teams. I mean, imagine this. Wow. And he said, and, he said and, and, and as for the Arabs, we want the Arabs to live with us side by side, inequality. So there was no sense um, that the return of the Jewish people to the, to the, to the land of Israel uh, would mean that the Arabs would be, the, the Arabs who were here would be dispossessed of their rights. Uh, and indeed, even today, with all the troubles that we have in this country, there are 12 or 13 Arabs in the Knesset out of 120. You know, the, the really the crux of the entire uh Declaration of Independence for Israel. I have it. I have it highlighted. I have it uh, bolded. Here is this. It says, "This right is the natural right of the Jewish people to be masters of their own fate, like all other nations in their own sovereign state." And really, only being three years after the uh, end of World War II and the Holocaust, uh, this is really fresh on the minds of the Jewish people that are living. Um, under the British mandate at this time. So to pen these words had so much meaning, I'm sure, that they would be the masters of their own fate. Right, to the best of the ability of any human being to be a master of their own fate. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly, but, exactly. But, you know, I, I want to tell you some of the, the less heavy side to, uh, to Israel Independence Day, because um, one of the curious things about Israel Independence Day here... I, is that it's really the only legal holiday we have all year long. Oh, wow. Um, if, you, if you think about how many days off the average American gets with Washington's President's Day and, and, uh, and uh, Thanksgiving and all the other holidays, uh, in Israel, the only single non-religious holiday uh, is Israel Independence Day. And that means that just about everybody gets off from work. There are no sales. There are no department store sales. Nothing like that. It's a very different kind of holiday. Uh, the synagogues and the synagogues, uh, there's a special uh, Hallel prayer, the, pr the, the prayer of praise, praising God. Um, 
It's a day when, uh, and leading up to it, I think uh, we're going to start seeing that, you see, it's a sort of cycle. We, we've just had Passover. And then we come to Yom HaShoah, the Holocaust Memorial Day, which is uh, uh, on Thursday, um, uh, the, the 5th of, uh, of May. And then uh, sort of a whole cycle. And then we head the following week into Memorial Day. And uh, that and that means all regular television programming is suspended and, and we just... Uh, have the names and the stories of, of, of the soldiers, of the fallen soldiers, and then we shift into Independence Day, and then suddenly the ceremony itself, uh, the main ceremony of the Israel Independence Day is held in Jerusalem at a place called Mount Herzl, appropriately enough, right? Yeah. Um, and it's a, it's, it's, a, it's a military cemetery. It's also the pantheon of all the great Zionist leaders. Herzl died, I told you, in, 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 at age 44, long before the State of Israel was created, 1904, he died. And he said in his will, he said, when the State of Israel is, is, is born, he didn't say if, <laughs> he didn't say if the State of Israel is born, he said, when the State of Israel is born, I want my remains to be reinterred in the State of Israel. And so one of the first actions of the new government, of Ben-Gurion's government, and, and um, it was was to bring the remains of Herzl from Vienna, Austria, where he had died, and bring them to Israel. So that the ceremonies of uh, what is called Yom Ha'atzma'ut, Independence Day here in Israel, uh, are, are centered in uh, on Har Herzl, the Mount of uh, the Mount uh, Herzl's mountain, and um, and that's where all the ceremony speeches, uh, marches, and so on take place. And, and your listeners may be interested to know that. One of the main uh, and um, uh, most enjoyable features of Independence Day uh, happens um, around 11 o'clock, uh, on, uh, which will happen this year, and 11 o'clock on Thursday uh, uh, morning, is there's a Bible quiz. Hmm. That's good. I like that. <laughs> and how many, how, many con- how many countries come to a complete halt and watch a Bible quiz? Yeah, that's good. I like that. That's good. <laughs> so, you know, the, the radio broadcasts the Bible quiz, the TV shows it live, um, and it is just a phenomenal, uh, and of course, youngsters uh, from uh, all over the Jewish world, and because it's done in Hebrew, all over the, all over the Jewish world, but primarily in Israel, um, are asked uh, all sorts of questions about the Bible, and, and I'll tell you, even, even your faithful listeners, uh, assuming you know they could understand Hebrew, might not get all the answers as well as some of these young people. They're who tough are ones, huh? Extraordinary. <laughs> Extraordinary. Well, listen, we are just wrapping up here. We've been talking with Elliot Jagger. Um, listen, I want you to follow Elliot on his Twitter feed, at Jagger File. Um, he's got thought-provoking things to say on Twitter, and I know that you'll enjoy following him there. Also, uh, I want you to be sure to check out foiradio.org, where you can find out more information about Elliot and the work that he's doing. And finally, I just want to say the beauty of the Israeli Independence Day is that, you know, Israel today stands as the only democracy in the Middle East that gives freedom, not just to Jewish people, but as Elliot was saying earlier, to any citizen of Israel, whether Jewish, whether Christian, whether Muslim, it doesn't matter. And it's all because of what was written in their Declaration of Independence. Elliot, thank you for being on the program with us, sir. It's my true pleasure. Thank you.
Much of the world that Jesus grew up in was influenced by Greek philosophy and was ruled by Roman polity, and yet at the same time, Jesus was able to maintain a Jewish identity. We want to encourage you to pick up The World of Jesus by William H. Marty, a book that helps to make sense of the people and places of Jesus' day. If you want to learn more about Jesus and his historical background, this book, The World of Jesus, will help you understand more in depth about Jesus' surrounding world. You can get your copy of The World of Jesus at foiradio.org or call 888-343-6940. That's 888-343-6940. We've been discussing Israel's independence, and we've specifically been looking at the Declaration of Independence. And it was on May 14, 1948, that Prime Minister David Ben-Gurion declared Israel's independence. And there were a lot of things working to prevent this from happening. You had the international community that was demanding Ben-Gurion and his government to not declare independence. You had the Arab nations of Israel uh, threatening to go to war. And you also had internal pressures as well. The Arab Palestinians were also working to prevent a Jewish state from being formed. Uh, So there's a lot of things that were at work to prevent Israel from becoming a independent state. However, the thing that really could have prevented them from being a state will shock you. The Jewish people living in Israel today and when the Declaration of Independence was signed, they make up a wide array of religious and political perspectives. You know, religiously, you can find anything from your ultra-Orthodox to your secular atheists. Um, On the other side of the political spectrum, you have anything from communism to, uh, to conservative capitalism. And so you have this wide spectrum of thought, and all of these people had their hands in fashioning Israel's Declaration of Independence. The two big factions of Israel's government at that time were at war as to whether or not God's name should be in the Declaration. But it took the very big pragmatist, Prime Minister David Ben-Gurion, to step in and to fix these issues, and they settled on the phrase. Placing our trust In the rock of Israel, we affix our signatures. It's that phrase that could have prevented Israel from declaring independence. The rock of Israel. Placing our trust in the rock of Israel. The protector of Israel. What a great way to end Israel's declaration of independence. Now, Apples of Gold, a dramatic reading from the life and ministry of Holocaust survivor Svi Kalisher. It is 63 years since Israel became a state. Much time has passed, and after everything I endured in my life, I am humbled and amazed I am still alive. I grew up in Poland, 
and have been without parents since the age of ten. Realizing the Nazis were going to invade Poland, my mother brought me to a Polish orphanage. I was very blonde and did not look Jewish. She told me, Be strong. You are no longer a child. You are a man. And with those words, she left me. I never saw her again. Soon the orphanage was disbanded and I was alone. I had no money, no food, and nowhere to go. Often I was jealous of those who had died. But I remembered my mother's words, Be strong. For six years I lived on the edge of death. When I arrived in Israel, I thought I would have rest. I wondered, how am I still alive? Who was on my side protecting me from all the dangers I faced? In Israel, however, the situation was also dangerous. It was 1948. We were a mere half million people. And when we declared our independence, eight Arab countries descended on us like locusts determined to destroy us. We went from the ship into the army. My job was with the strike force clearing minefields. I was told, you have only one chance. If you make a mistake, you are no more. I was very careful. I never made a mistake. And I kept asking myself, who is on my side? Why am I not dead yet? One evening on Israel's first Independence Day, I was in Tel Aviv. An older lady approached me and gave me a Bible. Read this, soldier, she said, so you will know who is on our side. It was the first time in my life I ever opened a Bible, and this is what I read. When my father and mother forsake me, then the Lord will take care of me. I had finally received the answer to my question. The Lord was on my side. I began to read the Bible. I've had many troubles in life, but the Bible has been my greatest comfort and showed me the way to redemption. I never dreamed I would live long enough to grow old. I have a wonderful wife, three sons, one daughter, 16 grandchildren, and they all love the Lord and are active believers. We started a congregation a number of years ago with a handful of people, and today we are almost 300. One of our sons is the pastor, and some of our grandchildren minister there in music. After the long Via Dolorosa, I passed through in the Holocaust. It is my greatest joy in life to see my family serve the Lord. It is my greatest joy to see what the Lord has done for us here in Jerusalem. And today we are able to help others. I am also thankful to the Friends of Israel Gospel Ministry, which has been with us from the beginning. As it is written, those who sow in tears shall reap in joy. Mike Kellogg with a dramatic reading from the life of Svi Kalisher. 
These readings are taken from a regular feature in our magazine, Israel My Glory. If you enjoy Apples of Gold, be sure to sign up for a free one-year trial subscription. Visit foiradio.org. Remember to order your copy of The World of Jesus when you contact us. Call our listener line at 888-343-6940. 888-343-6940. You can write to us at FOI Radio PO Box 914, Belmar, New Jersey, 08099. Again, that's FOI Radio, P.O. Box 914, Belmar, New Jersey, 08099. Or simply visit us at foiradio.org. Again, that's foiradio.org. Next week, American Friends of Magan David Adam, Greater Philadelphia Area Director Sharon Schmidt joins us. She'll be in the studio to talk about Israel's National Blood Bank. Our host and teacher is Chris Katolka. Our associate producer and engineer is Tom Gallione. Mike Kellogg read Apples of Gold, and our theme music was composed and performed by Jeremy Strong. Once again, I'm Steve Conover, executive producer. The Friends of Israel Today is a production of the Friends of Israel Gospel Ministry. We are a worldwide Christian ministry communicating biblical truth about Israel and the Messiah while fostering solidarity with the Jewish people. Thank you.